Deuteronomy 26, I'm going to read it verses 5 to 11. It starts out. And you shall make response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my father. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number. And there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers. And the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and outstretched arm, with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God, and worship before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you. Great. But we're so grateful for the opportunity to study your word and to be able to proclaim it here. But we just we position ourselves before you to receive this truth and to let it change our hearts, especially toward giving and tithing and bringing offerings uh, unto you. We pray that you would give us a renewed understanding that you're above all things, the giver of all things, and all things that come from you are to your importance. So that set of verses that I read to you is from the middle of Deuteronomy 26, uh, and it's actually the confession that was to be said upon the giving of first fruits when people came to give their tithe on an annual basis. And so in chapter 26, we have kind of a division of two types of tithes that, uh, that are being recorded for us to remember. The first is an annual tithe that is brought before the Lord. The first fruits of every harvest are to be brought to uh, the temple and celebrated there, and then then another uh, every third year tithe that is to be brought and distributed among those who are in a needy position. And so we're going to be looking at both of those things today. Um, as you remember, we're in this bigger understanding of Deuteronomy, and we've talked about it a number of times. New cases, so um, we've talked about it a number of times. Don't belabor it too much, but chapters one to eleven describe to us why. We ought to follow the law the Lord has given us. Uh, and right in the middle of chapters 1 to 11 is the Ten Commandments, the very actual law the Lord has given us. Uh, the Ten Commandments describing how we are to follow the Lord our God. And before that, behind it, verses chapters 1 to 4 and chapters 6 to 11 are describing to us over and over again, do not forget, do not forget, do not forget what the Lord has done and how great he is and how he came out of Egypt and all these things. Over and over, he is emphatically reminding them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not forget these laws that I put before you. And so then we moved into chapters 12 to 26, which we're wrapping up today, which is the specific outworking of the law itself. So here's 10 commandments that I give to you, Israel. Now, here's some specific scenarios where that might bear out. Very interesting ones, like we saw last week, you know, the bearing of interest on loans. We're not to put interest on loans to our brother. Why? Because we love our brother, because he's our family. We don't need to earn interest from our family, right? And so there's 
all these particularities that this is how it works out for you to love your neighbor, love your brother as much as you love yourself. This is the outworking of the moral law among you as you go into the land of Israel. So chapters 12 to 26 has been kind of an expansion on, if you will, the primary law in the Ten Commandments. And one of the other things that we saw that I think as you read Deuteronomy, you know, maybe the next time you go through it and you read some strange law and you think, well, it sure looks like Moses is, is uh, saying it's okay to have uh, multiple wives or it's okay to have slaves or whatever, right? We've come across some of those passages that deal with those types of topics. And the purpose of the law in those, in those scenarios is not to advocate for these scenarios happening, but rather to make good out of a bad situation. Right? If a slave runs from his master who has been tormenting him, which you're not supposed to do in the first place because this is someone that is in a, has hit hard times, then you are to take care of that person so that they don't, uh, so they aren't oppressed among Israel. I mean, he's talking to the people of Israel itself. This happens among you. They take care of these who are broken. And so, again, these are specific outworkings of the Old Testament, of the Ten Commandments uh, as they enter the land. So today we're looking at um, a final provision that he wants to hit on as we complete this section, which is uh, the importance of tithing. Again, we talk about two different types of tithing. I'm going to deal with the third-year tithe, tithe first, and then the, the annual tithe second as we wrap up. Every third uh, year, in verses 12 to 15, you find the, the reporting of this. Uh, it says this in Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 12 to 15. When you finish paying all the tithe of your produce in the third year, which is the year of tithing, given, uh, giving it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your towns and be filled, then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion of my house, and moreover I have given it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandments that you have commanded me. I have not transgressed any of your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten the tithe while I was mourning, or removed any of it while I was unclean, or offered any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God. I have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation in heaven and bless your people Israel and the ground that you have given us as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. The Lord commands them every three years to give this offering of, uh, of provision for those who are in need. And there's a number of people that he, you might have heard in that passage that he calls out. First, he calls out the Levites. So a tithe every third year is to be set aside uh, so that those who are Levites, who don't own any land, who are set apart to equip the, the priests for ministry at the temple, set aside a portion of this for the Levites if they have any particular special needs. Um, so any of those Levites, part, part of this third-year tithe is to be given. Part of this third-year tithe is to be given to foreigners. So people who have left their countries to roam about in Israel are to be cared for by Israel. Should be a shock to us, uh, given the nature of kind of Near East at the time, you wouldn't be caring for foreigners in other countries. You would be letting them kind of figure it out on their own. But in this case, every third year, you're looking around yourself and saying, is there any foreigners who don't have the same uh, support network that I have because I'm a child of Israel? Um, is there any foreigners around me that I need to be caring for with this third year time? 
They're for the foreigners who are among you, the sojourners. Do you care for any children who have lost their fathers? Again, Moses, uh, the Lord is recognizing that as they go into the land, just because they're in the land that the Lord has given them, doesn't mean that the brokenness of the earth will not continue. People will lose their fathers. People will lose their husbands and their wives. And, and the, the body, that is the body of Israel, the people of Israel, are to care for those who don't have normal means to care for themselves. Children who have lost their fathers. Women who have lost their husbands. Widows. This third year tithe is specially set aside to remember, look around yourselves and see those who are in need and give from your tithe to these. He gives a long explanation of how and why you are to do this. There's a couple of things that you are to do as you give this offering. Again, each of these offerings, each of these tithes, are to be done in remembrance of what God has done for the people. So there's a confession, a statement that you are making as you do this sort of thing. First, you indicate that this food, this tithe, this whatever you have, is holy. It has been set apart. It has not been defiled in any way. It is the best of what it is, right? As they gave first fruit offerings, there's to be the best of what you have. So consider that, right? Sometimes we think about filling up a food pantry or whatever, and we find the the cans, and we put the cans up there, and it's less, like the least nutritional, least of what we have, we just set it aside. We say, no, no, bring the best. Bring the first fruits of this year, and set them before them, and have a feast. Make sure that that tithe is kept holy. I've kept it holy. I haven't, haven't offered to any dead. I haven't, haven't uh, taken any part of it. It hasn't been unclean. This is worship. It's not just like cast out leftovers what God has provided for them. It says, I haven't eaten any of this tithe while I was mourning. Right? This, this food that I'm taking out of it has not been used in any sort of mourning at all. It's all been about rejoicing. It's a celebration, right? When we're giving, it's a celebration of what God has done and who God is. <clears throat> In the uh, petition to God, as you give this offering, as you uh, share it with the Levite and the sojourner and the fatherless and the widow, you are to pray this. Look down from your holy habitation, Lord, from heaven, and bless your people Israel and the ground that you have given us as you swore to our fathers of a land flowing with milk and honey. Again, it is a cry out to God, even as we celebrate that we have so much, that, that God continue to bless us. We recognize that this is from you. In doing this, we recognize that we are your people, everyone that is among our borders, from the sojourner, from the fatherless, from the widow, all are one in this. And we celebrate you, the great provider, as we provide for those who are in need around us. This is the tide of the third year. In addition to the tithe of the third year, we see you know, not only is tithing and you know setting aside this portion to provide for those who are in need, including the, the Levite foreigners, uh, widows and children who have lost their fathers, 
we have this tithe, again, the third year set aside so that we can provide for those who are in need. Also, we tithe not just uh, for provision of needs, but out of celebration of who God is. One is very practical, like we're looking around and seeing in this tithe, the third year tithe, we're seeing there are people in need who don't have the, the means or the land with which to provide for themselves because of whatever circumstance, recognizing that any of us could fall into that circumstance. We provide abundantly in celebration, not the leftovers, but the good stuff, the first fruits. Second in this passage, he speaks about tithing it as a form of worship. The annual tithe was to recognize who God is and what he has done, remembering who we are and what God has done for us. Tithing is a sacrifice of trusting God as the one who has provided and who always will provide. You might remember as we went through Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, there was a warning given to the people of Israel and one that we should hear as well about um, realizing where our wealth comes from. So I'll read this from Deuteronomy 8, chapter, 8 verses 11 to 20. Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his rules, and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full, and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply, and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all you have is multiplied, then your hearts be lifted up, and you forget that the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness, Inspiring serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. Who brought you water out of the plenty rock. Who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know. That he might humble you and test you to do good. Beware, lest you say in your heart at that time, My power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you, warn you, you shall perish. The warning he gave to the Israelites as they went into the land was that you are going to find multiplication of your fruit and of your land, and you are going to have fruit when you go into this land. And be careful that when you do have those things, that you don't start patting yourself on the back and saying, I did this. This is by my hand. I did a good job. I planted good crops. No. Where does you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth? You shall remember that the Lord your God, he is the one who gives us even power to get wealth. He may confirm his covenant as he swore to our fathers today. So as we bring this annual tithe, we're instructed to remember what I read at the very first. You shall make response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my father, that is Jacob. His mother was an Aramean. And so before he had a name of Israel, before he was set apart as a nation, he was just a wandering Aramean. 
So in the tithe, every year as they brought it to the temple, they would say, I was nothing. I was just a wandering Aramaic. I had no land. I had no God. I didn't know who my God was. I didn't know who my, what my nation was. I was a wandering Aramaic. And he went down into Egypt, and he sojourned there. He was a sojourner. Right? He knows what it's like to be a sojourner. Few in number, there he became a nation, great and mighty and populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. Jacob and his descendants knew what it was like to be treated as a sojourner in another land. So remember that they cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil and oppression, and brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and great deeds of terror with signs and wonders. This time of bringing in the tithe was a remembrance of what God had done. A remembrance of all that they had earned and all they had gained was from the Lord, who took them from being a nameless nobody wandering in, the, in, in Canaan, brought them through the persecution of Egypt, who treated them as sojourners in a way that everyone else was treating sojourners, harshly and hostily. And brought them out of the greatest nation at that time by great wonders and signs. As they cried out to the Lord, the Lord saw their, or heard their voice and saw their affliction. And brought them out with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. This annual tithe provided for the Levites there who were uh, separated out to equip the priests for worship in the temple. And, and so every year they're remembering that what they had received was from the Lord that had saved them out of Egypt. It is a worshipful celebration of the tithe. This first fruits tithe was uh, was eaten joyously and before the Lord. In Deuteronomy 14, 26, we talked about it as well. It says, and you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. And we remember that as they brought this tithe, it wasn't just that they were like dropping out food and going back home. But rather, they were bringing this food and preparing a meal and feasting out of this meal together and celebrating what God had done for them. So often, we just kind of like see this as a religious task. We just drop off, check off our box, and we do our thing and move on. But rather, like when we're giving to the Lord, we should be rejoicing that what we have been given is something we're giving back to God. We're celebrating what God has done in us by giving back to Him. And same is true as they came and brought their tithe every year. They were remembering, this is what God has done for me. He has given me powers to gain this wealth. It is from him. Even the ability to have it is from him. A constant reminder that what we have is not ours, but it is God's who has given it to us. All these commands that the Lord has given have been about our heart as we do them, never about the actions themselves. And the same is true as we tie and as we bring offerings. It's about our heart and worship that matters to the Lord. 
from the very beginning, we see that we have seen that this is what God desires. If you remember the story of Cain and Abel, they both brought an offering, right? And we don't really know much about the difference other than like one is grain and one is animal. People say, well, he brought grain and that's not as good as an animal. But that's not the difference. The difference is that Abel brought a good offering and Cain brought an offering. And for whatever reason, it wasn't about what they brought, it was about how they brought it. The Lord didn't have regard for Cain's offering because of the manner in which he brought it, not because of what he brought. Genesis 4, 4 says, The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. God does not condemn what he brought. He condemns how he brought it. The heart with which he brought it. The fact is, the entirety of this law has been about that. From chapter 12 to 26, there, it's bookended by a, a, an understanding of what our worship should be. In chapter 12, we actually started out talking about the specific, the specifics of the place of worship. That's how we started this kind of section was, hey, this is the place of worship, and this is where you should worship, and that's how you do that. And now we're ending with the provision for worship. What is the provision for worship? But the bounty that God has given unto the land itself and to its people. And as they recognize that this is from God and bring it to God, they're actually equipping the whole of his body to worship the Lord. Right? Think about the, the trajectory of this. So the priests are set apart. The minister at the temple. Where do they get their food? They don't have one. It's given to them. I mean, the greatest cost in most everything is humans. <laughs> Supplying for humans to exist. If the priest is set apart to not be a farmer or a rancher or whatever, then how is he going to survive? But by the offerings of those around him. The priest is set apart. And the Levites, too, are also set apart to equip the priests for worship. There's a whole subset of the, of the twelfth of the people that is set apart to have no land, but it can be completely dependent upon the people to provide for them. So these tithes come to, one, prepare and to provide for those who are set apart to lead and equip worship, but also to make sure that those who don't have anything have. So they can also recognize and worship God as the great provider that he is. The whole section from chapters 12 to 26 that have been focusing on all the specific ways in which the, the Ten Commandments is borne out has really been about how do we worship God? Well, we worship him in every aspect of our life. Every way that the Ten Commandments is specifically applied to our life that is a response to the character and nature of God and worship of him and how we respond. Right, the one I've been hitting on so much that's just been so obscure to me, I guess, is just finding the, the person that is murdered outside the city gate. Right, like the specific instructions about how to handle and atone for the land when someone is found murdered outside the city gate. Measure between what city they're at and find those elders, and they can bring a heifer, but not kill the heifer by putting it so just like breaking its neck over a river that hasn't been used in a field that also hasn't been killed. It's like, 
What are we doing? God is maintaining the holiness of the land. All these specific rules are about recognizing the holiness of God and worshiping him for what he has done for this people who was once just a, a wandering airman. And so we're um, at the end of this passage, how he ends chapter 26, he says, this day, the Lord your God commands you to do these statutes. And he's summing up the, the whole thing, right? Chapters 12, 26. All these things that I've commanded you about the law, these are the things you should do. You shall therefore be careful to do them with all your heart and with all your soul. You have declared today that the Lord is your God, and that you will walk in his ways, keep his statutes, his commandments, and his rules, and obey his voice. The Lord has declared today that you are a people for his treasured possession. As he has promised you that you are to keep all his commandments, and that he will set you in praise and in fame and in honor above all nations that he has made, that you shall be a people holy to the Lord your God, as he has promised. The final summary just reminded me of, you know, Fast forwarding to a uh, time after the cross and realizing what Paul calls us to do in Romans chapter 12. It's not about just following specific commands and doing other things. It's about giving our whole life to the Lord. And so it's reminded of Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 5. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Think about the mercies of God that have been from, from the beginning of the book to the end. The mercy of God to come to Cain and say, this is about your heart. Cain had an opportunity right there to repent. And said he didn't. This is about the mercy of God shown in the law that, that even the sojourner and the fatherless and the widow, we are caring for you. The mercy of God is on display constantly. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, this which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned him. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Why are you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord? Why, church as a whole, are we to offer ourselves to the Lord? Not just in individual worship, but corporately. So often we just read those first two verses and think, I just need to get myself holy before God because it's about me and God and this relationship between me and God and getting this right. But it's not just about that.
each of you ought not think of himself more highly than he ought to. But rather, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned him. For we are one body, have many members, and the members do not have all the same function. We are one body, and individually members one of another. The law, as we've seen it clearly, I think, is pointing the whole of Israel to look out for each other. When conflict comes, to resolve it in a way that is honoring to God. When you've broken the covenant with someone, to repent and restore them. When someone is hit hard times, to provide for them. When someone doesn't have, to give to them. Even to the sojourner that is among you. God has called us to give of what we have. And we don't talk about it all that often. Like the Bible says, we talk about it, but we're talking about tithing. And here's what we don't have scriptures, so I'm not sure what happened with that. So many good to memo. Apparently, we usually have visitors when we're talking about that. Um, but I just I challenge you, right, as you tithe, as you give. First of all, I thank you that you sow into our ministry and sow into what we're doing here as a body that we can care for each other. But I pray that you take the same heart that is commanded to the Israelites as you give. If you don't, you know, it's very easy to kind of set up an auto-pay, you know, donation. And I've been there where I've set up an auto-pay donation. It's like, okay, just take that. Thank you. This is what it is. Be careful that as you're giving, so I'm not saying you should not do that, but be careful as you do that, that you don't just forget about what you did. Because, you know, the reason that we... Uh, give is to remember what God has done. It's not just about making a transaction. And it's good to make a transaction. We're all for that. We need it. Turns out. But his instructions to the Israelites are very clear that, that the giving of it ought to be holy, that it ought to be set apart. We ought to have considered it, not lightly, but seriously, like God, I give this, and I pray that, that what I give, whatever amount it is, that, that you bless this land as you see fit. So tithing and giving in, in financial ways, or maybe even our time or our talents or whatever it may be that we're tithing off of, we should recognize that all that we have has been given to us by God. We worship God by giving to the kingdom. God, I recognize that what I have has come from you, and you gave it to me freely. And so I give freely into your kingdom, that the body of Christ might be built up and strengthened and equipped for the ministry that it ought to do. Very practically speaking, and I've talked about this before, but... Um, we see those who are called to a vocational or bivocational, in our case, uh, ministry as Levites. What is my role as a Levite? But to equip the priest. Who are the priests? You guys. Christ has made you a priest. Christ has given you a ministry of reconciliation. And so 
as we set up, you know, times of community group and times of worship and times of interaction together, we're doing that so that we can equip the priests for ministry. All of us, right? And so we recognize that as God has given us funds and wealth and ability to earn wealth, we recognize that God sustains us. We give out of that heart that the kingdom might advance and that more people might, might know the beauty of the, uh, of the gospel. And we see that all that's been given to us has been given to us by God, our wealth and our ability to earn wealth. We give out of that mindset. We demonstrate our understanding to God of this truth by kindness. I recognize, God, that this wealth I've received and the ability to earn it is from you. Can I give it back to you? Worship. Finally, more than just tithing, God has called us to give our entire selves. And so sometimes we talk about, okay, well, what percentage has God called us to give? In the New Covenant, how much you give everything? Called you to give your whole self to the kingdom. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And so, yeah, I'm not going to point to some scripture that you need to give exactly 10% to ministry. That's just a suggestion. I got Here's a 10%. This is what I'm calling you to do. First fruits, this will help provide for everything. Oh, ask Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, how am I to give to the kingdom? And he'll tell you. How? He will. We'll just talk to you about it. What he puts in your heart, that's what you ought to give. The whole point of tithing, the whole purpose of tithing, is to worship God, to recognize Him as our provider, to recognize Him as our sustainer. We declare that we know He has provided and He will provide when we give. I pray that as you consider what it looks like for you to giving of what God has given to you, that you consider those who are in need around you, that you consider the Levite whose ownership is restricted by their calling, that you consider the foreigner who may be among in, the, in, in your midst, consider the fatherless. Consider the widows. In all this, you recognize that it is the grace of God that is provided for you. And so you freely give in grace to others, that they might know the character of your Father in heaven and trust in Him by the blood of Jesus. Lord, thank you for all that you've given us. We recognize that everything we have is from you. We recognize that the health that you've given us, the funds you've given us, the ability to earn funds that you've given us, the talents you've given us, that these things are from you. We did not choose to whom we were born. You formed us in our mother's womb. God, we recognize your hand at work in our circumstances. 
We recognize that you've blessed us mightily. And so we pray, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what it is you are calling us to do. And God, we pray that we wouldn't just see tithing as some religious activity we have to check off to squelch a guilty conscience or, or whatever it may be. But rather that we would recognize as we as we separate a, a portion of what you've given us financially, that we would say, God, this is yours. I recognize that all I have is from you. And I recognize that you will provide in the future. And so I give you. I give you a sacrifice. Not just something that's possible to give, but something you've called me to give. It will stretch me. To trust you. Lord, help us not look too heavily on our own. Lord, help us not have eyes to see what you've placed around us. Care for those who are in need among us. Care for your church, they might proclaim your truth. That more might come to know Jesus as their Savior. Trust and follow him. In his name we pray.